Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know it's Christmas Eve. I know it's the middle of the day. I know all of you are watching football or spending time with family. And on a day with no basketball games, the NBA is the furthest thing from your mind. But because of scheduling, because of the way that Christmas Day is scheduled for the NBA, we got to do tomorrow's content today. So in advance, Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Holidays. Tomorrow, five games that start at 9 a.m. Pacific time. There are certainly parts of the U.S. that will have plenty of time to set their lineups when they wake up in the morning. But there are also plenty of spots here, Pacific time specifically, Hawaii time, uh, where you basically got to set your lineups the night before, especially if you're in a weekly lock league where that 9 a.m. buzzer is the buzzer for the whole damn week. You know? And plus, with no games today... This is a perfect opportunity to go over the 30 games, uh, 39 games is incorrect. The teams that all played on Friday and Saturday, get everybody kind of reset for the week ahead uh, and take a look at some of our streaming ideas in a week where teams that play tomorrow do have a little bit of an unfair edge. And by tomorrow, I mean Christmas Day, Monday morning. There are only, I believe, four, maybe five teams that have four games that don't play on Christmas. There are three more that have four games that do. So next week is a very three-game heavy week. Most of the NBA has three games. The Clippers are the team with two. And so what I want to do here is actually talk about the week ahead before we go back and review the 30 teams that have already passed us by. I know that this sort of seems... Uh, backwards to some degree, but I actually don't think that that's the case. I think that doing it in this order makes a lot of sense because you can now kind of get a jump on things. Because, I mean, you know, things happen over the weekend, obviously, but in terms of planning, this is the way to get a look at stuff. This is the way to begin to attack this week. Now, what you may recall, those of you that are watching the show with us, last week I threw up basically just like a small chunk of what we call our streaming chart over at Sports Ethos. And I'm going to do that again. Uh, First things first, I am Dan Vesperus. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a combination weekend review show and week ahead show for week 10. Please find me on social media at Dan Vesperus. Rate, like, review, all that good stuff on the podcast. Uh, Sportsethos.com is the website. Ethos Fantasy BK is where you can go to get your news over on social media. And of course... Finding us in Discord is easy. The link is right in the show description. Here is the image for those that are uh, watching the show. For those that are listening, obviously, I'm going to describe everything that that we're all looking at so you guys get a pretty good view of it as well. This is the streaming chart. 
And I've done some color coding myself. It doesn't come that way. You can kind of flex that however you like. My color coding illustrates all the back-to-backs and then teams that have what I deemed to be better long streaming opportunities. So I sort of color the tail or the the body at some points of the long stream in like a beige, a light yellow to illustrate the back-to-back, and then a very light green to illustrate where you could actually just play these guys if you wanted to go for six days. So this is what's coming up for the week ahead, and I'll just do it uh, alphabetically since that's the way that we've got things organized. This, by the way, is available to everybody with a fantasy pass at sportsethos.com. Then you can see the whole season all the way through instead of just this very small section, which you're getting for free here on this podcast. Fantasy Pass starts at $5.99 a month over at sportsethos.com. The first thing that you guys might notice if you're watching along with us is that Brooklyn is shaded in those two colors I just mentioned. They have a back-to-back Tuesday-Wednesday, and then they play Friday and Sunday. And again, we have to remember that some of these days are... I'm going to say full overload, but certainly close to it. Tuesday is 9, Wednesday is only 6, Thursday is 8, Friday is, I think, 10, Saturday is 6, and then uh, next Sunday is 6. So there isn't, like, a true overload day the way that this last Saturday was yesterday. The closest ones are Tuesday, because if you ended up not with many guys that play on Christmas, you might end up having a lot of guys in the 9 games on Tuesday. And then Friday is a 10-gamer. So you might have some overloads, but there isn't anything that's a sure overload day. It isn't, you don't have a 12 or a 13 or a 14 in there where you're like, well, there's just no point. This day doesn't even really count because everybody's got a full roster going. There aren't days like that. In my opinion, Friday with 10 games might even be slightly less likely to be overload. I know the more games, but like, it just depends on kind of where you have your players clustered. Um, So what that means for our purposes is that every day has equal value this week, with the exception of Monday on a super low-traffic Christmas day, and at the start of the week, actually has greater value. And I know I mentioned there were some days that had six games. Saturday has six. I think I said Sunday also has six. Uh, Wednesday has six. Those are low-tide days, so these are all really important ones. But the reason I like Monday the most is that you can actually move, make moves right now. You can make moves today because there are no games happening, so you're not constrained by which of your guys are in an active lineup, which ones may have already played, injured IL slots, all that kind of stuff. If you have any moves left over from this last week that ended early, a week that effectively ended on Friday because pretty much everybody played on Saturday, so you didn't need to make any moves probably on Saturday. So you got to cluster your moves this last week, basically Monday through Friday, Even for those that are streaming hard, and I was, I still ended up with a move left over for today. So I made a move for tomorrow already, and I think that's a really smart thing to do. So to that end, we can take a peek at some of the teams that might make a lot of sense for tomorrow. First of all, Boston. uh, Let's just talk about the teams that even play on Monday. Let's start there. Christmas games. Milwaukee is in New York. That's the early game. That's a noon start. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. And then the games happen every two and a half, basically. There's one game that has a three-hour gap. Basically, every two and a half hours the rest of the day, starting at noon Eastern time or 9 a.m. Pacific. The second game is Warriors-Nuggets. That's up in the mountains. Boston is in L.A. They've been in L.A. for a few days. They played the Clippers, and they smashed them yesterday. Uh, They'll take on the Lakers. Philly is without Joel Embiid. They'll be in Miami. So, uh, Paul Reed, hello. How do you do? That game is the uh, early evening game, and then the late evening game is Dallas in Phoenix, where hopefully we'll have as many stars available as possible. 
Luca obviously seems like he's good. Seems like uh, Durant and uh, and Booker should be fine. And then whatever other streaming stuff we sort of float around there. So those are the five games that are happening tomorrow. Third of the NBA is playing. It's not a very, it's not a hyper small day, but again, because we have this weird little gap in the schedule today, immediately preceded by a full schedule, you probably have a move to use. So use it for tomorrow. Now, that again takes us to our next point, which is what do you do for tomorrow? Boston, if you were going to go their direction, you're probably looking at guys you could just hold the whole week because they are off for two days after their game on Christmas Day off the 26th and 27th, and they go, then they go three times in four days to finish off the week. So it's not a great schedule at the start, but it's a four-game week. And as we just mentioned, what did I say? Eight, nine teams go four games. So if you can get players on those clubs, you get a pretty good advantage. Because by and large, opponents are you, your team, too. You're probably going to have more three-gamers than four next week. Probably. I you know, odds are. Dallas. We're going to go through the teams that are playing tomorrow uh, alphabetically. They have a really good schedule. They're at Phoenix. Then they've got Cleveland without Evan Mobley. So defensively, the Cavs are not as good. In Minnesota, that'll be a tougher game to score. And then they're in Golden State on Saturday, which allows you to then make a move on Sunday. If you wanted to sort of shore up your week, as we said, six uh, games on Sunday. So there are options to go on that one. And we'll get to what some of those are in just a little bit. Also interesting, uh, we're going, chronic, we're going alphabetically here, so I want to make mention of Memphis. They're another team, um, like we talked about, with uh, up at the top of the board. Um, Brooklyn's another one. Um, we'll loop back around to those guys in just a sec. The Knicks are another good one. They go four, four games in six days. Sorry, I'm having trouble speaking to start the week, as does Philadelphia. Four games in six days to start the week. You could also pivot partway through to one of these other teams we're going to mention in a moment. But these are all clubs, Dallas, New York, Philadelphia, that have four games in six days to begin the week. If you're looking at streaming Christmas Day, those are the teams that you want to look at because you can hold them. To, to, if you like the players involved, you could potentially hold them all the, all the way through to Saturday. If you don't want to make a bunch of long streaming moves for Christmas Day, you have a couple of other directions you could go. Like, let's say you wanted to go Boston but they only have three games the rest of the week, and there's two days off in there, and maybe you're only streaming one roster slot, so you don't have this intense need to hold somebody for six days. You could pivot off of them, and the other teams that I was mentioning were Brooklyn. I think I said Memphis as we were floating through a minute ago. Uh, Oklahoma City and Orlando. By the way, the Thunder are going to have a good schedule like almost every week the rest of the way because they're behind a bunch of teams in total games played. But again, that's Memphis, Oklahoma City, Orlando, Brooklyn we mentioned earlier on, and then the Washington Wizards. These teams uh, have four games in six days starting on Tuesday. Most of those teams, actually all of them, I should, I guess I should clarify, Brooklyn, not other than Memphis. Brooklyn, Oklahoma City, Orlando, and Washington. They go back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they also play Friday, Sunday. So that's a team you could lean into starting on Tuesday. Uh, and then Memphis was another one that I mentioned on Tuesday, although they also are better starting on Thursday, because Memphis actually goes Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. They have their back-to-back kind of in the middle of the week. So those are the teams you're looking at if you're planning on holding somebody for longer than just a back-to-back. Uh, if you're looking towards later in the week, we already mentioned Boston. They go three games the final four days of the week. Memphis, three games the final four days. The Lakers, three games the final four days of the week. 
Uh, San Antonio is the other one in that department. But again, that's not usually where I'm looking here. Like, I don't see... Unless you really hated the streamer you had to start the week. Like, let's say you had a Dallas streamer, and you let them go Monday and Wednesday... But Dallas is playing on Thursday. It's a little bit stupid to drop a guy who's playing on a day for a different guy who's also playing on that same day. That's a waste of a roster move. I don't even care if you're getting an extra game played later in the week. Like, if you dropped a Dallas player on Thursday for a Boston player on Thursday, yes, you're gaining a game Thursday through Sunday, but you're not gaining that game until Sunday. Or technically, there's a back-to-back, but then Boston's off on Saturday and Dallas plays on Friday. That, to me, is is a silly move. You're making a move three days earlier than you need to. What if you ended up needing to make a drop later in the week? One of your streamers that you planned on holding for two or three days got hurt. You got to get off of those guys and not take a zero. Every move you make when you're streaming should be with the end game of adding one to two games either the rest of the week or over the length of the long stream that you're planning on holding that guy. So Brooklyn, for instance, they're a really interesting test case, and I can highlight it on the screen for folks watching on YouTube, but I'll just describe it. Starting on Tuesday of next, uh, this coming week, I'm really having trouble talking today. Starting on Tuesday of this coming week, they actually go six times through the following Wednesday. So that's game, game, off, game, off, game, off, game, game. Six games, nine days. Five and seven is the best thing you're going to get in the NBA because you can hold a guy for a whole week and get five games out of it. Six and nine is basically the second best thing you're going to get. That's the same ratio as four and six, but you don't have to use a roster move for another three days. So that's the second best one. Obviously, a back-to-back is the highest percentage, and three and four is the next highest, but you're stuck using a lot of roster moves if you're going to make a move every two days or every four days. If you can hold somebody for five, six, or nine, now you're suddenly able to stream two or even three roster slots on a club, and you can really power up the number of games played you've got in a given week. In terms of teams to avoid this week, the only logical one is the Clippers, uh, but they've had a really light schedule. They have Boston way back on yesterday. I say way back. Saturday. Off for two days. Charlotte, off for two days. Memphis, off for two days. This is an opportunity for the Clippers to try to get their guys a little bit of rest on top of everything else. You're seeing Kawhi Leonard's dealing with a little bit of a hip injury. He's missed his first two games of the year. The thought was probably now, like, if he's not 100%, I don't think they're playing him against Charlotte, a team they feel pretty confident they can smoke without all of their best guys. Memphis is certainly a lot better with John Morant back, but, like, you might not see a Clipper... You might not see Kawhi back until that Memphis game, maybe even Miami. This is a great opportunity for them to give him like almost two weeks off and miss only four games. This is what teams are looking for. You can say, oh, he's actually injured. Whether or not he is, we don't know, but we're going to assume he is. As far as like fringy guys, we'll get to that in a second. We'll do kind of the weekly lineup decisions, but then basically everybody else is three other than the, the like, you know, a little bit under a third of the league that's playing four games. So that's why streaming is important. It's a really big week for streaming when there are that many teams that have three games because it's really easy to turn three into four this week. And if you long stream effectively, especially if you use a move today or even two moves if you have them today, pick up somebody that is on one of the three teams, we say Dallas, 
uh, New York and Philadelphia that go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. You got four games the first six days of the week. You could use another move for each of those streamers on Sunday and maximize. Then you're getting like an extra two games. You end up with a five-game week in each of those slots instead of three. So let's talk about some of the weekly decisions now at this point. Uh, which of the guys that are game time decisions. And this will be a little bit tougher again because we're doing it the day before. There will, I'm sure, be updates in the morning, very early in the morning. And so if you get those, you'll make your adjustments however you need to. But let's just start at the top and we'll go through some of the names of relevance here. I want to see if I can actually get that on the screen for you guys. Uh, we'll bring up I'm going to bring up a Yahoo page, and it's going to have some of the various team names. This is one of my uh, one of my Yahoo free leagues that I'm in, so you know, don't tell everybody, I guess. Um, here's the player board for those that are watching. And we'll just go through some of the guys that have injured tags on their names. So Joel Embiid is an interesting one because he just got ruled out, and it's just sort of like they're talking about maintenance stuff for him. Uh, it's ankle, leg... I truly I, I don't I, I don't know what the severity is. I think the Shams tweet said something like, Oh yeah, he's getting treatment every day and they don't know if what he's what his deal is for their next game on Wednesday. I gotta hope you're getting two games out of Embiid this coming week. And so to that end, I think you kinda have to start him because he's basically the best player in fantasy sports. I know Shea is ranked higher and he deserves to be. Um but obviously a lot of Shea's value is tied up in the fact that he's like a full head and shoulders above anybody else in steals. There isn't anybody close. Shea has something like 86 steals on the season, and then the next highest is, I think, uh, Matisse Thibault, who has like 60-something. He's legitimately like a third ahead of any other player in the entire NBA. And so his value in that particular category is so high that... The other stuff he's doing it doesn't even really matter all that much. I mean, obviously, it's really good. But, like, right now, Joel Embiid is doing more good things, more separated good things, and Shea has been vastly superior at a couple of stuff. So, I mean, those guys are, like, you know, 1 and 1B one at this point, and then there's a pretty good drop-off behind them. But all that to say, this is Embiid we're talking about. You kind of have to. Kawhi Leonard is in a two-game week, and that's if he played them both. So I hate to say it, but you kind of probably have to bench him. Um, you know, the latest on Kawhi... Uh, the latest on Kawhi is a little bit unclear. Um, you know, the fact that he's now up to number five, by the way, a nine-cat is pretty awesome. It's just a hip thing. We haven't really heard anything good or bad about it. I, you know, again, he's so good that you're like, I've got to get him out there. But if this dude ends up playing in one ball game and you could have flipped him out for somebody who's playing four, you, you, I mean, you can pick up like a top 160 guy playing four games that can outperform uh, a first rounder in one. It's pretty easy to find somebody averaging. I mean, think about this. Kawhi's at 24 and a half points, six boards, three and a half assists. This is part of the, how you do the calculations on these things. Can you find somebody on the wire who's averaging? Six and change points, one and change rebounds, less than one assist, and like .4 steals and barely any blocks? Yeah, of course you can. That's like every fringe player in the NBA. 
And this is if Kawhi misses just one of their two games. What if they decide to give him the whole week off because the competition's not that tough? Clippers have played well so far this year. You know, they've taken a couple of losses here, but playoff seeding-wise, I don't think they're all that worried, especially when they're healthy. They've been clobbering teams. This is just not a guy they're going to rush back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Donovan Mitchell is an interesting one. Uh, he's been dealing with this illness for three ball games. I think it's this respiratory thing that everybody in the NBA is getting, and some guys are getting worse than others. And then the ones that get it the way, like, you guys remember me, I was sick for the entire month of November. These guys are going to get better treatment than I do. They're going to sit and, you know, they'll be on a freaking ventilator all day to get the cough to go away. I can't do that. I got to chase around booger-nosed kids all day and all night. Uh, so I'm just going to keep getting sicker and sicker. So, yeah, obviously they'll get better. But if you're wondering, like, why has he missed a week? I couldn't do crap for, like, four weeks. All that said, um, you know, the Cavaliers are... Oh, you know what? They're a two-gamer also. Did I jump right over that? I did. My apologies, people. Cavaliers are also a two-game week. Um, now, Donovan Mitchell's off for three days after their game in Chicago. Oh, that's a tough call, man. That's a real tough call. I guess I think he's probably back by Wednesday. Hmm. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Ish. Tough one. I'm going to go ahead and hope that Donovan Mitchell's back and I'll start him. Kyrie Irving, no. Victor Wembanyama, probably yes. Um, I believe he turned an ankle... Uh, before the ball game, he had like a collision with a ball boy or something like that. Um, San Antonio is not a two-game week. I don't know how I missed the Cleveland one. Sorry, guys. Uh, San Antonio is a four-game week, so even if he misses one or even two, you're still in, in excellent shape there. Uh, Christoph Porzingis sat out the last one. That has seemed to be precautionary, uh, although the left ankle sprain, not just a back-to-back -back thing. 
So I guess we don't know, but like we mentioned, Boston, they got a game tomorrow, which he might miss, but then they're off for a few more days, and they got three and four to end the week. He's been sitting out half of back-to-back, so if he misses Christmas Day, it's probably a two-game week for Porzingis. That makes him a really hard call, but I'm going to say yes. I think we get two games out of him, and that would be enough. Cat, so nebulous. Holy moly, the Wolves. He got ruled out with left knee soreness. We saw him kind of come down funny or walk a little gingerly at the end of the win over the Lakers. Um, Honest to goodness, this might be one where I really don't know. They're off Christmas Day, then they've got three games the rest of the week. They're in Oklahoma City. I know they're going to want to win that game. Then Dallas, they got the Lakers again. But we don't know. We got got no info on Cat, almost of any kind. Just left knee soreness, ruled out. Ruled out a day ahead, I think, as well. So um, I'm going to think you're getting two games out of him would be my guess. I probably sit him, and you guys might kill me for that, but that's the direction I'm leaning on Cat. Uh, Giannis is a go. He's probable. Um, Terry Rozier missed the last ball game with knee soreness, and Charlotte three or four games this week. Charlotte's three games, including a back-to-back Oh, that's a tough one, too. Missed Saturday's game. He was a very late ad. Um, I think I'm going to play Rozier and hope that he gives me two this week because he's been just barely good enough, but it's more of a dice roll than I usually do. LaMelo, no. Evan Mobley, no. Uh, Jimmy Butler is questionable for the Heat. And uh, Miami is a three-gamer with one of them on Christmas Day. You might be able to get a better ruling on him tomorrow morning, hopefully, although that's kind of a midday game. Um, I think I'm going to start Jimmy Butler. I I think the questionable tag for Monday is good news for Thursday and Saturday, so I'm I'm guessing you get at least two out of Jimmy. Um, But I guess I don't know for sure. Sounds like Jalen Johnson might be back this week, but if you're in a weekly format, I I don't think that you can take that shot probably wait until he's actually back and I'm sure they'll work him in over a game or two Mark Williams you got to bench him until we hear anything good about him uh Jalen Suggs is more like day-to-day with the wrist thing but he hasn't been playing all that well probably because of the wrist thing anyway so I would probably sit Jalen in a weekly format uh now you're getting to the point where if somebody's even a tiny bit hurt you got to keep him out Yusuf Nurkic maybe being like the lone exception to that because Phoenix has a four-game week. He's still out with personal stuff. We don't know exactly when he's coming back. You could probably play him and hope you get three games, but it's a little bit of a dice roll. Um, Derek Lively, no. Zach Levine, no. Darius Garland, no. And then KCP, I honest to God, I didn't even know KCP was dealing with anything at all. What's his latest deal? Oh, he's probable. That's a nothing. That's a nothing tag. He's number 95, and again, now we're at this point where it's like, look, if somebody's questionable, you're not playing them. Um, As you get outside the top 100, you got just a handful of guys that might deserve your attention, but Jalen Duran, until he comes back, I don't see how you play him. Uh, Kyle Kuzma sounds like he wants to go in their next game on Tuesday, so he's probably a go, although now, folks, he's fallen near the 120 zone. How many times did I have to warn everybody? Uh, but look, if you're playing Kuzma, it's because you don't mind uh, the percentages and the low defensive stats. So, like, if he's a guy that's been part of your team to this point, then he's a guy you're just going to keep on trucking out there. Uh, and then nobody else is really worth talking about, I don't think, on the weekly side. 
Okay, that was the Yahoo recap. We're 20-some-odd minutes in, and we're just finally getting to the weekend review part of the show. Uh, let's do that now with a quick reminder while we're pulling up some of these weekend stats to please take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe, and to find us over on social media at Dan Bestperson at Ethos Fantasy BK. And as Christmas comes first thing tomorrow morning, or if you're watching this on Christmas, it's already there. Maybe you ran late on a present. Maybe you just ran into somebody at your Christmas party, or maybe your Christmas office party, and you were like, damn, that dude is hairy. I got to get that guy a present. I wasn't planning on getting him a present, but I just cannot let him walk around with all these tufts emerging from his Christmas sweater. That's not even a Christmas sweater. That's just hair. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code ETHOS20, ETHOS20, to get 20% off and, and free shipping on your order. Uh, the lawnmower, that's that awesome sideburn trimmer. You could use that all over your carcass. You can go with a handyman if you want to go with the tight electric razor shave. That's more of like a face and neck type of tool. Uh, they've got something called the plow. That's the the three blade actual razor. They've got the handy or they've got the shears. That's the luxury nail kit, which I definitely need to be using. My nails are a mess right now. And that's all over at Manscaped.com. Again, promo code there being Ethos twenty. You know it. Just use it. Is it true that if you don't use it, you lose it? Uh, let's go through Saturday. That was obviously a big card. And what was that 13 games on Saturday? Most of the teams in the NBA played on that one. Milwaukee beat New York. That was the early game. Bobby Portis is very much in the stream while warm situation right now. And he's been on a little bit of a heater. Finally, a bad game out of Brooke Lopez. I say finally, not like that I wanted it to happen because you guys know I love Brooke Lopez. I just sort of like a bit overdue. He falls to number 29. So sad. So sad. Malik Beasley got dropped in a bunch of places, I think because he was sick and then he had a couple of bad ball games. That was kind of dumb. Uh, I picked him up in those places and he's been pretty solidly useful all season long to this point. Chris Middleton is uh, not a huge headache right now, so I guess that's something. On the New York side, Jalen Brunson keeps trucking along. Isaiah Hartenstein, he's got all kinds of wiggle room now. Dante DiVincenzo had one good game, and then he kind of came back to earth. Such is the story for these fringy guys on the Knicks. You can play them in schedule spots, which we mentioned there is one this week. Those types make sense in those, but not for Roto. We're going to move pretty quick on this, guys. Boston blew out the Clippers. This ballgame was over early, but, you know, a few Celtics got theirs beforehand. Drew Holiday has been coming on lately. Uh, you know, it didn't hurt his cause that Porzingis has missed a couple of ball games, but Drew's now up to number 65 when he was down in the 80s and 90s. Pretty, pretty easy buy low. Just a guy you knew was going to do a little bit more as the season moves along. Derek White continues to be amazing. Al Horford, just a fantastic fill-in when Porzingis is out. Nice little across-the-board type of stuff for him, and I don't care about anything else going on there. No Kawhi for the Clippers, and they look kind of human. Paul George had a pretty good ball game. Uh, Zubats had his very, like, empty double-double. James Harden slowed down a little, which we kind of knew would happen as well, but these guys will all be fine. The only thing that I thought jumped out on the Clippers' side was typically when Paul George or Kawhi Leonard is out, Norman Powell picks up the slack, but he did not in this ball game. Um, I think he probably will in the next one, but uh, doesn't matter. 
We mentioned Alperin Sengun getting called out by his coach for sucking on defense a couple games back, and he's come roaring back for the Rockets. We got Tari Eason back in the mix. I know he wasn't as great in this ballgame, but he's an easy uh, hold, very simple hold decision. Jabari Smith Jr., another good ball game. Not much to take away from this one other than just kind of seeing a nice bounce back from Shangun. A couple of good ones after the coach was like, yeah, you're not going to play if you don't actually do the defensive stuff we tell you to do. And he said, okay, got it. Eliminated the slippage there. Uh, Herb Jones, you're running out of time, bud. Only 18 minutes in this ball game. It wasn't like it was foul trouble. They just, you know, they like Trey Murphy more. Uh, Herb is a better defender, but... Trey is a vastly superior offensive player and they need someone that can space the floor because the whole rest of the team hit five three-pointers in this game. Herb Jones, by the way, hit two of those. Uh, Trey Murphy hit three of the team's eight total three balls. It's just not a good spacing team. I like the Pelicans. They're decent, but they have no spacing. That's why Trey Murphy is getting the run and why Herb Jones isn't right now. I told you I would let Herb have another week, week and a half, we're almost a week into it, and he's running out of time. He's fallen like a an absolute boulder right now, um, down into the mid-60s. Like every game, he's fallen seven, eight slots. That's tough to handle. I still think CJ McCollum is a pretty big sell high if you can do it, but I don't know how many people are going to buy on CJ being a top 20 dude. Ah, eh, well, see what you could get. If it's like top 40, 50 or better, I think I would do it. Denver uh, decided to play this game with sort of one eye slightly half open. I mean, there's just no reason why the Nuggets should have shot 43% against the Hornets, but doesn't matter. Here we are. No notes on Denver. Not many notes on the Charlotte side either. Nick Richards continues to be a solid fill-in for Mark Williams. Brandon Miller got hurt in this game, turned an ankle uh, when he went down. P.J. Washington t tends to be the next guy to get stuff. And it happened again here. P.J. took 20 shots, which is stupid because he made six of them. If Gordon Hayward had even half an NBA brain left in that head of his, he'd have been the one taking more shots. He's still more efficient than these other dudes, but he didn't because he's getting old and he's slow. I think Hayward's a drop in a lot of formats. I get it. Uh, you know, again, if you don't have any issues with his turnovers, free throw percent is typically low defensive stats, although they're better in this one. Okay, fine. Like, but nine cat, he hasn't been very good, frankly, since the start of the year. He's had some like one game or one week blips that have been better. Team obviously needs LaMelo ball back and certainly Terry Rozier would have helped in this game as well. But with those guys out, there were just shots for days for the rest of these dudes. Um, so PJ Washington, he's a go when you've got this many guys out. If Brandon Miller misses the next one, then PJ kind of goes from like a 50-50 play to a yes. Hayward probably becomes a yes if Brandon Miller misses the next ball game, but otherwise, I, I, I'm kind of moving out on the Hayward thing entirely, much like I was last year. He was terrible. Let's keep moving. Orlando beat Indiana. Franz Wagner, a uh, solid ball game. Paolo had 34, but again, makes a lot more sense in the points league side. Said it before, I'll say it again. I don't think Wendell Carter Jr. is a is anywhere close to a 12-team, 9-category guy. Uh getting outplayed by Mo Wagner, getting outplayed sometimes, not this one, by Goga Batadze. They just, like, these three centers, they're all staking claims to center minutes, and that means none of them is any good, for fantasy at least. 
Not picking up Derek, Gary Harris and Roto. You know, if you get into Orlando, good scheduling spot, that would work. Jalen Suggs being out played a pretty good-sized role there. As far as Indy goes, uh, Andrew Nemhart got the start at shooting guard in this ball game and uh, put up a decent line, 17-5. He's not usually going to be this efficient. He also doesn't get any defensive stats, which makes him kind of a hard guy to play every day. Bruce Brown was also out for this game. I know he had a terrible ball game, but Aaron Neesmith is actually the guy that I'd be looking at most of the time. Seems like Rick Carlisle feels pretty comfortable giving him about 27 to 30 minutes a night. And he had a number of good ball games in a row that had pushed him actually inside the top 100 on the season, believe it or not. So uh, Neesmith, I think you can hold. I think he was an ad, and I think he's now a hold. No other real surprises here. Jordan Clarkson came back for Utah, scored 30 points. It won't be this good. He is a lot like Cam Thomas in that when he has a big ball game, you try to sell. When he has a bad ball game, you could consider a buy. Although Cam Thomas is uh, better for fantasy by and large. But this is a sell moment for Clarkson if you waited through his injury. Walker Kessler off the bench in this one for reasons I don't completely understand. But you know, he still had 10-8 and two blocks. I still think he's just going to get better as the season goes. Colin Sexton is going to fade now with Clarkson back. I don't know that Clarkson's necessarily going to start over him, but Sexton is kind of a one-trick pony, and so, again, if you start to take away any of that trick, then he's just a pony, And which I know sounds fun for, like, a fourth birthday party, but doesn't work for fantasy. Kelly Olynyk only 17 minutes. Typically, if he's starting, you can start him. Chris Dunn still starting, and if Keontae George and THT are both out for Utah's next ball game, I would start the crap out of Chris Dunn again. Love that dude's fantasy game. I just wish that there was any kind of consistency to his role. Right now there is, but every other point guard has to be hurt, apparently, for us to get there. So keep an eye on status for uh, mostly for Chris Dunn more than anything else, but also, you know, do we see a Colin Sexton flip back to the bench at some point here? Utah trying some stuff out. We shall see. Definitely a team worth monitoring, the Utah Jazz, because Chris Dunn is great for fantasy. Walker Kessler is great for fantasy. John Collins can be decent when he's out there long enough, but he wasn't really in this one. Colin Sexton is less awesome for fantasy, but when he plays giant minutes, then it's good enough. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No notes on uh, Toronto. Jakob Pertl's bouncing between terrible games and good ones. He's just got to sit through it at this point. OG Ananobi was better. Thank goodness for that. But uh, let's keep moving. Jaden Ivey and Isaiah Stewart had big games for Detroit. And <laughs> who cares? This team sucks. Let's see. Boyan Bogdanovich, yeah. Cade Cunningham, yeah. Osar Thompson at least got 31 minutes here, but he's gassed. All that stuff he was doing at the beginning of the year, that energy's out. The air is out of the balloon. I still like him long term. Detroit finally went to Stewart at the five when they didn't have to. Marvin Bagley to the bench. 
Stewart at the five is interesting. I'll give him that. But the reason he had a big fantasy game here is because he shot eight out of nine from the field. And it's sort of the same story with Jaden Ivey. You know, he made eight out of ten free throws and six out of 11 shots. Usually he's a guy that tanks you in both percentages and turnovers. And he didn't here. And everybody's like, Dan, why aren't you diving in on Jaden Ivey immediately? I'm like, well, because we've seen this a bunch of times in only a year and change with him. He doesn't have nine cat fantasy game. Percentages hurt. Turnovers high. Assists are actually not usually that overwhelmingly good. But then he'll go on these little mini runs like he's been on, I would argue, the last two, maybe three ball games where the scoring is better because the shooting is better. He's hitting three-pointers. He has five three-pointers in his last two ball games. He had three in his previous eight games. He has 14 assists in his last two ball games. It took him five games to get there before that. And he's more like three turnovers a night. Steals and blocks are okay, but not, you know, massive for him. And therein lies the rub. If you're in a points league, I think you pick up and hold on to Ivy. But for 9-cat, he's just not a guy that sticks long-term. That's okay. You can be a points league guy. I believe I have no notes on Brooklyn. Cam Thomas is currently in one of his more sell-y spots than buy-y spots. Nice to see Mikhail Bridges finally get something going. A game against Detroit is usually good for what ails you. Let's keep going. Memphis, Ja and Bain, Mondo games. JJJ slowed down a little bit in this one, but again, now that now that those three dudes have each other, it just everybody slides into the role that they belong. And playing Atlanta also helps. But again, you, like you don't have to go any farther than those three guys, unless you're stashing Marcus Smart, who might very well be back for Memphis's next ball game. I think he'll probably be on some kind of minutes restriction, so don't expect the moon. But I do think it's worth exploring to see how what Marcus Smart's role looks like when this is all said and done. They're probably going to have to play small. They're probably going to have to run Bain at small forward or Smart as just a very short but extremely powerful small forward. And when they play longer teams, they'll probably have to rotate guys a little bit differently. Nothing. I got no notes on Atlanta. Not one. This is a neat team because they have six guys with fantasy value. That's a cool thing. Fun little claim to fame. Cleveland, still without all of their horses, managed to find a way to win on the road in Chicago, mostly because they defend. Jared Allen, big game, 19-17 and 17 in this one. When he can have a game without foul trouble, good things happen. Max Struess finally woke up. Still took him a lot of shots to get there, but 26 points, 7 assists, 5 threes, 2 steals, and a block. Craig Porter Jr. has been filling in relatively well for Donovan Mitchell. You could probably stream him... If you think Mitchell's going to miss another game with the illness, I just don't know about that. Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro, those guys are more schedule plays, uh, but they've got the longer shelf life because they're in there basically for uh, Garland and for Mobley because when Donovan Mitchell comes back, they won't need Craig Porter to run point. That'll mostly be Donovan. We're seeing Kobe White slowing down a little bit. The popcorn numbers are still there with 17 points and 7 assists, but he's down you know, outside the top 100 over the last week. And honestly, you knew the three-point and field goal percent couldn't keep up forever. He was on a crazy run, but he'll be fine as long as Zach Levine remains out. Uh, right now, I think I'm comfortable starting the starters for Chicago. White, Patrick Williams, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. They're all fine in my eyes. 
By the way, friends, DeMar is up to number 54. Vooch is at 57. Slowly they rise. You're not even going to really notice it's happening. DeMar's free throw percent is up to 83. Field goal to 45.5. Every little bit, those numbers claw up the board. He jumps 10 slots. He was 65 last week. Now he's 54. He does it again. He'll be into the 40s. That's why I had DeMar as a buy low. It wasn't going to be this massive, massive turnaround, but he was like 20 slots below where he should have been. Lakers got a big shooting game. Beat Oklahoma City on the road. LeBron is a freaking cyborg. I cannot, I mean, that's why you don't fade LeBron, Dan, you stupid idiot. Usage is down. Didn't matter. He's taking five fewer shots a game this year, and he's 20 slots higher because he's shooting 54% making 2.33s a game, and he's at 2.2 defensive stats again. It's unbelievable. LeBron James is a first-rounder, and he's 39. Well, he's about to be 39. You hear my dog barking in the background. Yeah, yeah, everybody's home. Get used to it. I, I honestly, I just I can't even believe what LeBron's doing right now. Um, the big news in Laker town is that D'Angelo Russell got moved to the bench and only played 17 minutes. He was quite efficient in his 17 minutes, so that was good. But this may be, unfortunately, a little bit of a death blow to him. Uh, Lakers' new starting five is super weird. I don't know why this is the assortment of guys they picked. And it didn't last very long because you got more Rui Hachimura as the game went on. He scored 21 points. That's not a sustainable number. But if what the Lakers are trying to do here is get bigger, that could be a thing that helps Hachimura in the long run. No, I'm not picking up Rui in Roto. I do still think Torian Prince, who had some foul issues in this game, I do think Torian Prince is still worth playing in most formats because he's usually getting big minutes and hitting a bunch of three-pointers. So you can go LeBron. You go AD, obviously, Austin Reeves. Uh, and right now, I would bench D'Lo. I'm not dropping him because this, you know, these lineups are going to change. I think, again, I like Lakers won this ballgame, but it wasn't because of the starting five. It was because LeBron was insane. It's because Rui played really well, and AD was good. You know, if you get good games out of your superstars and you get a good game out of Hachimura, you're probably going to win. OKC is sort of a zero surprises play. Jalen Williams always plays well against the Lakers. Still not getting as many steals as you'd want. Can't understand that one. Shea's a monster. Uh, Chet played well. Chet played well 19-10 with a steal and three blocks against Anthony Davis. That's pretty well. Like, I know he didn't dominate the way he has been, and he missed some free throws. You know, the percentages were worse. But that's the magic of Anthony Davis. You're just, you're not going to have your best games of the year against AD unless you're Jokic. Because Jokic weighs like 50 pounds more. You got to be able to move AD if you're going to beat him. And Chet ain't that strong yet. Warriors blew out the Blazers. Warriors, this, I mean, and, and it's so funny to hear Steve Kerr come out after the ball game and say like, yeah, 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 like, I know my young guys are better than my old guys, but I had to make I had to make them prove it. You know what that actually meant? I can I can tell you what the the translation of that Steve Kerr line was. I needed everybody in the world to see how much my old dude sucked. So that way when I benched him, nobody gave me a hard time about it. Right? Cuz the discussion right now is, Steve, what took you so long to do the smart thing? That's a lot easier of a discussion for him to handle than Beginning of the year, bench the old guys and lose the team. 
But between Draymond being suspended and Wiggins being terrible, there's been this opening for the Warriors to play Brandon Pajemski, who's a fantastic play right now. I don't know if it's going to stick all season because guys will eventually come back. Uh, but he's terrific right now. So Pajemski's got to be gone. Klay Thompson's woke up, so that's good. He's, he's rolling now. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, when he doesn't miss his free throws, he's playable in most formats, but that's only like half of the time. So I like him more as a head-to-head play. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is sort of the hot name in Warriors Town, but he only got 17 minutes in this one. He's doing a lot with his time on the floor. Um, I do still think he needs to be on rosters to sort of see how this Draymondless run shakes out. This game was also a blowout, so minutes were kind of screwy, not hugely screwy, just sort of a little bit. Uh, so keep hold on Jackson Davis for now. Kaminga, again, he's not a guy I'm playing in Roto. Pajemski's the one that uh, is the easiest call on that side, outside of the usuals. And then for Portland, Malcolm Brogdon is a play as long as Shaden Sharp is out. Uh, Simons, he's just like, his three-point numbers are crazy right now. Anthony Simons is hitting a lot, a lot of three-pointers. But it is also worth noting, he doesn't do all that much else. And that's why, despite another seven three-pointer game for him, he's outside the top 30. I mean, it's still good. Uh, and we haven't even really seen the bottom come out at all. Like, there's going to be a cold spell in here. So I think if you can sell Simons for top 40, 50 maybe even, you do it. Anything lower than that, you probably hang on and see if he can boost his own value. Uh, Sharp being out maybe allows you to sell him for a 100-range guy. It's almost better when people are not seeing what his numbers look like when the team's healthy. And then once he gets healthy, I don't actually know what's going to happen to Brogdon. I'm a little worried that he does then fall off a cliff, but you know we'll take it as it happens. Uh, when Benyama sat out this last ball game, so Zach Collins got the start and did a lot of good stuff, but, and then Collins, I mean, this is three good games in a row. He had one good one in there while Wemby was actually playing, so he bought himself some more time. I'll give him that. I was basically ready to drop him, and then Wemby got hurt, and I thought, all right, well, we don't need to drop him yet, and he bought himself a little more time. What does that mean by the end of this week? He might be off my roster by the end of this week, um, uh, while he was getting, you know, 17 minutes behind Wembenyama, he just that's just not enough time. And that's the only player really to note on this Spurs club because uh, I've mentioned it before, anytime Devin Vassell has a big ball game, I try to sell. Anytime Keldon Johnson has a big ball game, I try to sell. Anytime Jeremy Sohan has a big ball game, I try to sell. Nope, Theo, I'm sorry, you can't come on this video. My child is pantsless and he's trying to come on the video. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I had a child who was completely naked trying to get on a YouTube video. Want to get our account suspended? That's the way to do it. Try to remember to edit that out on the actual uh, audio side of things. So you'll just hear me and then the very quick blip over to the other half of that. Anyway, you guys know how I'm feeling on the Spurs. Um, I know Keldon Johnson's been better than expected all year, but guess what? He's now down to number 98 because we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. I didn't know when. Vassell's number 113. Zach Collins is outside the top 100. Whole damn team's outside the top 100, except for Victor Wembanyama. Dallas, uh, well, Luka was back. So, you know, Luka versus the universe, and that's usually good for him, as long as he doesn't tire out. That's good. Tim Hardaway Jr., I think, is a play, while Kyrie Irving is out. And then everybody else is a little bit iffy. And I know you're like, Dan, Dante Exum, how are you not getting more excited about this? Because I've never seen anyone who's more prime for a shooting drop-off in my life than Dante Exum, who's shooting like 70% uh, 
from three-point land over the last two weeks. That is not going to stick. He's at 71% from the field over the last two weeks. 17 points, four boards, three assists, a steal, and two three-pointers. When that 70% from the field comes down to something in the 40s like a normal person, uh, his scoring is going to drop by 25%, which is like a solid four and some odd points. The threes are going to drop by 25% or more. I don't know that the playing time is going to stick. Maybe it does, but he goes from a 50 range guy to probably more like 100, and that's why I've been kind of 50-50 on him. Because every game that happens here, I'm like, uh, is this a guy that's going to shoot 70% again? I don't know. I got to go back and find out if my kid actually made it into the screen. I think I was able to keep him off of the camera there. Um, uh, and then Derek Jones Jr. is the other one that's like, meh. I'm just not that excited about these guys. Last game on the board from Saturday. Minnesota wins again. Man, that team is good. Nas Reed is starting to cool now, though. Um, so he was a stream while warm guy, and when he's not as warm, you don't stream. When they're healthy, it's harder for him to get that sort of inside track, and that's what happened here. Jaden McDaniels happened to have a massive, massive ball game. I wish to God that he'd be this aggressive all the time, but he's generally not. And he's probably going to somehow find his way to like that 115 to 140 range and sit there all damn season, just like last year. So he's like, He's a start in 14-teamers, and he's right outside the start in 12-teamers. I don't know that I see anything changing there, though, you know? I, like, in this ball game, it was certainly helpful that Carl Anthony Tans was out, and if Cat misses another game, I think you probably can go Nas Reed because it's like, okay, well, look, Rudy Gobert's going to have to rest at some point, and then Nas is going to get some playing time. But Rudy was awesome in this one. 21-17, and 17, they needed him in there because Sacramento... Like, you rest, you you settle for even a moment, and the Kings will put up nine points on you in 45 seconds. And so this just sort of wasn't a good fit for Nas, because he's not guarding anybody. Anyway, if Cat is out, play Nas Reed. I'm okay with it. I know this game wasn't very good for him, but typically if Cat's out, there's going to be enough there. Um, and it's, you know, it's good for these other guys to get a few extra shots, but... Again, with McDaniels, this is like the thing. We're just going to pray and wish and hope that he becomes aggressive overnight, but it's just like guys don't usually change their stripes like that. And then for the Kings, another good ball game out of Keegan Murray. We all, this is like, again, one of the easiest buy low opportunities on planet Earth. He's number 56 in nine cat, and he's just coasting along right now. Let's play our uh, every week game of who the hell played on Friday that didn't go over the weekend. The answers are uh, Philadelphia... Uh, Miami, Phoenix, and Washington. Yeah. All right. So here's Philly. Embiid is out. We talked about that earlier in the show. Embiid is out for the Sixers game tomorrow on Christmas Day. I know Paul Reed doesn't start in those spots. They usually let Marcus Morris start, but Paul Reed will get 25 minutes, and that's more than enough for him to put up fantasy value. So give me Paul Reed. Give me B-Ball Paul. This will be a big game for Tyrese Maxey, big game for Tobias Harris. You'll probably get enough shots out of Kelly Oubre uh, because you take Embiid's league-leading usage numbers out of the, the pack, and then everything tips in that favor. Uh, Miami, you know, you got better stream stuff in this one for the Heat. Duncan Robinson had a better game. Um, Caleb Martin had a better stream. Jaime Aquez Jr. had a better stream. I'll be honest, though, I don't really know who to stream for the Heat right now. Um, 
if Butler misses another one, I would probably probably just pass on all of it. Why? Like, why? If Hakez is starting, you could probably stream him because they love him. They're giving him all the minutes he can handle. He's finding ways to get some points and rebounds and a steal or whatever. Uh, but, like, you don't know if Caleb Martin might just disappear. And Duncan Robinson has about... As if he has a bad shooting game off the bench, he'll only get 18 minutes. So probably Akez if he's starting for Butler. But otherwise, I think I would probably just pass on the Heat streamers. The uh, other team was Phoenix. They're slumping a bit right now. I think Grayson Allen is a play in all formats while Bradley Beal is out. Otherwise, no surprises there. Um, Drew Eubanks got the fill-in start for Yusuf Nurkic, and he was absolutely horrible. Yudoka Azubuki. Uh, had 11 and 11 behind him. I, I've got to think that Eubanks has a decent ball game in this next one, but man, this one surprised the crap out of me. I'll give you that. Uh, and then Washington, they were kind of running out of gas in Golden State. This game was a blowout. Wizards closed the gap right at the very end of the ball game. Kuzma left early, but I think it's because the game was like a 25 point gap. Either way, uh, this was the Jordan Poole revenge game, and so he got to take a bunch of shots, but he remains outside the top 175 in nine category leagues. Tyus Jones, I mean, he's just doing good stuff every single game right now. He's inside the top 60 in nine cat. There's no real, like, supremely interesting notes on the Wizards other than uh, Kulabli, not there until guys get shut down. Uh, Kuzma. Yeah, like you knew the wheels were going to come off a little bit. He's still going to be a, the the main focal point of their offense, but as his percentages came back where they always are, he's outside the top 100 now. Daniel Gafford's been amazing, um, and then Denny Avdi has been slowly falling since the start of the year as well. So kind of all the same stuff. And that is your week ahead and weekend behind. Oof. Hope you guys have time to check this out before the games begin on Christmas morning. Remember to set your lineups. Tonight, Sunday night, if you can get a chance to do so before you leave the cookies and milk out for old Santa Claus. Um, thanks to those who are listening live. I know this is not exactly a day where most of you guys are hanging out and ready to talk fantasy basketball because there ain't no damn games going on. But uh, enjoy the Sunday football. Enjoy Christmas morning and enjoy the Christmas day. I will be back with you guys on Tuesday. That'll be a two for Tuesday. We'll have our buy low show for the week. Uh, as well as the usual recap. We'll recap the Christmas Day games. Seems like I could almost mash those into one show, but I think we'll probably split them up into two. Again, no show tomorrow. No show on Monday on Christmas Day. The games start too early. There's kind of no point. So again, I'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. I'm at Dan Bespers on Twitter, sportsethos.com, Ethos Fantasy BK, Discord in the uh, show description, manscaped.com, Ethos20 is the promo code there, Ethos20, the promo code there, and make sure to let this show run to the end because all of these things run post-roll ads. And if you guys let those play, I think it puts like 2.5 cents in my pocket or something like that. So, you know, like and subscribe also. Okay, that's it for real this time. Later, everybody. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.